The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This show is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. Empower Your Reality is an online consciousness school that is designed to help you elevate the mind, raise your consciousness, your vibration, to attract and create the reality of what it is that you desire. On Empower, Empower Your Reality, we have books, we have online classes, you can find the podcast here on there, and other things that can help you elevate and truly learn the art and the science of creating the reality of what it is that you want to experience in your life. So for more information to check out all that we're up to and what we're doing, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. Now, back to the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and excited to have you on as this week we have an amazing guest that I had the chance to interview, to spend some time with, share some space with, space with, to dive deep, to pick her brain, to learn deeper about many different aspects. Um, Myrie Morris, Morsi is who we had the opportunity interviewing with, and man, what a what a um, a background that she has when it comes to the things that she does and who she's a, who she is and what she's doing for the world and so much more. Um, we talked about a lot of things. We got into her story. We talked about trauma. We talked about our own spiritual power, how to get back in, how do we give it away, soul purpose, and so many more concepts. I had a blast being on here. I know we'll be having her again on in the near future, but just a really quick dive into who Myrie really is. She's an awakening expert, international spiritual leader, therapist, healer, teacher, and coach. She experienced her own powerful spiritual awakening, awakening in 2009, and today is on a mission to support people in the wild, wonderful, and often perplexing process of spiritual awakening and kundalini. Having overcome profound early childhood trauma and healed PTSD, Mary knows her way around the most wounded, vulnerable, and injured places and how to find the sacred path out. Clairvoyant since childhood, she has cultivated a complex spirit support team and developed unique healing modalities, which she shares around the world. Myrie holds a master's degree in process-oriented psychology and is a certified kundalini, kundalini yoga instructor. She helps her clients and students unfold unusual, difficult, or frightening experiences, release trauma, and explore psychic phenomena and energetic disturbances. As she holds space for them to wake up fully and be free, they experience physical, spiritual, and financial healing miracles, own their spiritual power and gifts, and show up as leaders in the world. To not take any more power away or thunder away from Myrie, sit back, relax, 
and enjoy this episode as much as I did as I get the chance to interview and share with you, Myrie Morsi. Myrie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Vic. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. I read your bio and looked into all that you're up to and what you're doing, and you are a master of many crafts, and so I'm excited to like pick your brain and just really, really dive in. Um, and I was really fascinated because you have so many things that you, you're doing. How did, you know, how, what was it, what's your story that led you up to where you are today? Like, how did you get into all these different things? Um, was life just like a narrow road? Like you knew you were going to do this and then you just added things along the way, or was it more like a pinball effect getting knocked around a little bit? And then you're like, okay, this is what I want to do. And this is how I'm going to go forth. I think it was, it was a cascading pinball, I would say. And, and in many ways, I would say my life has been a calling and almost structured to lead me this way right from the get-go. My childhood was very difficult and had a lot of trauma in it. From, from very early on, my father had a brain, acquired brain injury and rapidly developed schizophrenia and that threw our entire family into big chaos. And it was the early 70s, so there wasn't really very much good care in those days. And then it, it was a very difficult time and there was um, sexual trauma that happened to me in that period of time and a lot of devastating experiences. And, and as I kind of grew and eventually my family system kind of disintegrated for, and I lived with my grandparents for a while. So that was by all this thing happened at the time I was four and so in terms of trauma therapy, I had like a high octane trauma content between like one and four. And at the same time, I was living with my grandparents, I was allowed to be a pretty much this wild child and be out in nature and climbing trees. And there was something about that counterbalance of this immense freedom that it, it was started to heal me, even though I, you know, as a child, your psyche locks everything that happens in, in a box, right, and puts it in boxes, it somatizes it in the body, and it says, not now, sweetheart, we'll come back to this in the future when you're ready for it. And in that freedom, I started to have a lot of what might be called shamanic experiences with nature and a lot of clairvoyant experiences and clairaudient experiences where I could hear and receive a lot of guidance and healing from nature. And I started very early on to see people's auras and energy fields. I could see as a child, I remember once being up on up in a cypress tree and I was just hanging out up there. And when I watched someone like walking up the farm path to the house and I could see that had this terrible energy on their shoulders that was very moody and, and they were in a dark mood. And it, I even at that age, I was like, why can't they see that this is not their mood, right, that they, they have picked up an energy that's creating this disturbance in their system. And then when I went to school at around four or five, it started to go underground a bit, but I always had these abilities and... When I left the school system, they started to birth again and, and I didn't know what to do with them. I knew in my early 20s at university that even though I was, I was studying an arts degree, I was wondering what I was going to do with these gifts. And it was the, when was this? It was the 
early 90s, there was no internet. It was very little way to find out how to navigate becoming whatever these gifts were making me into. In a way, I feel like who I am now has been cultivated by these gifts that have unfolded in me, as well as the way I had to meet my own trauma as I grew. And in my mid-20s, I went and lived in an ashram. I fell in love with a spiritual teacher. I meditated every day and did a lot of spiritual practice. And I completely accelerated um, my nervous system and, it's, and endocrine system in terms of their capacity to hold energy. But I didn't know what I was doing. I was just having a good time. And, um, and then as a result of that, I started to activate what the yogis call kundalini, this sacred energy that dwells in the body. And while I was in that ashram, all of my psychic gifts, which I'd kind of just been friendly with, they hadn't been very problematic, suddenly activated. And I was seeing ghosts in the ashram. They were waking me up at night. I wasn't happy about that at all. I was terrified. And no one around me knew what to do. And I was like, I'm 25 years old. It's mid-90s. I don't know what to do with what's happening to me. And so I spent the next number of years trying to calm those gifts down and get them under control so that they were more intentional, right, that, that um, ghosts didn't come and visit me whenever they wanted help, right? I got to choose when the shop was open and the shop was closed. And I think the important thing was that in my late 20s, I was a journalist, a sports journalist, and this really wonderful woman came into my life. She travelled around the world just teaching people to connect with spirit and angels and guides just to have this extra level of support and being able to heal yourself. And I, the universe conspired to force me to interview her because I was done with being a journalist and I just started crying in her presence and I realised that she was a gift from the universe. And then after working with her for a little while, all of these channels opened up and I started to be able to hear and communicate with spirit. And it was profound and beautiful, but also my guides and angels weren't all lovey-dovey. They were ball breakers. Like my... One of the angels that first came to me, he said, you've got some important work to do in the world and you have a lot of work to do on yourself first. And so really I spent quite a few years just healing myself. And so that was the way this kind of spiritual and awakening process came together that forms one area of my work. But the other part of my work really came in my early 30s. Up until that point in time, most of my trauma was in the trauma boxes in my body. I was probably quite numb and I started to suspect that I had sexual trauma, but I couldn't remember it. So it just kind of sat there as this unknown. And I know many people who've experienced sexual trauma that often starts that way. There's this like feeling or knowing something happened to me and I feel the truth of it, but I can't find it. And then life conspired to give me um, exposure to a very shocking event that was just the right potency, that it was like a samurai sword to my Pandora's box and it hit that treasure trove of trauma and all of a sudden I remembered. It, and I remembered a lot of things all at once. 
It was like pieces were flowing out of that box, memories, feelings, images, and they didn't necessarily fit together very well, but it didn't take me very long to work out what had happened. And when that box opened, I had acute PTSD. Like I probably had repressed, a lot of repressed anxiety, but from that moment on, my anxiety was off the charts and I... I could go into an PTS, and when it's called PTSD now, thankfully they've taken the D off because it's not a disorder. It's a it's a it's a biological response to acute circumstances. But my my PTSD spirals were so intense that I remember a doctor said to me, "Oh, you'll never heal this," and that's like a red rag to a bull for me. And I was like, um, "No, this is going to find a resolution." And So that became my mission to really turn my life around because I couldn't live in that level of pain and I couldn't live with that level of being ambushed by trauma when you have post-traumatic stress. You never know. That's the thing that's really difficult. And unless you've had it, you never quite understand. You don't know when a trauma trigger is going to go off and kind of wipe your brain off, take your brain offline so that you can't function very well. And So I did a lot of trauma therapy. I actually went and studied to be a trauma therapist. And the first book that we read was a really wonderful book called The Body Remembers by Babette Rothschild. And I read all of the symptoms in there, I think in the very early chapter, and I was so relieved. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not going crazy. (laughs) I just have all these symptoms. And then I knew, okay, there is a real solution for this. And that became really my soul's work and I did a lot of therapy, I did a lot of Jung, I did a lot of active imagination and I did a lot of painting. I used art as a source of healing and different types of healing technology to help heal that pain. And I also work with spirit as well because one of the things that I discovered is that a lot of the energy, this is a secret, but it's kind of fun, a lot of the energy of trauma you don't actually need to psychologically process. There are things you need to psychologically process and understand and put together, but a lot of the trapped energy can just leave. And there are many different ways we have to help that. Um, leave and I'm sure chiropractic has some and somatic experiencing has some and what I found was that my spirit team could also simply release that energy out of the tissues and so while I was doing the psychological work I was also releasing in this way as well that kind of sped up the healing process and I would so I guess I would say that my work is a combination of these gifts that unfolded in my life and also some terrible what shamanism would call allies right the most difficult things become your most powerful teachers and doorways into who you are and I would say that together they have broke my heart open so deeply that it's allowed me to rest in a in a place of compassion yeah so that's that's where where I come from, all of those different threads and ways and awakening, moving through. 
I love the process and the, the, the way you elegantly express it and share it. You share something that I, I talk a lot about, and that is, you know, the darkness and how it, in, in, it illuminates your light. It really gets to show more yourself and who you really are. And uh, sometimes we let the, let the dark consume us. And those are those who make the choice and never really break through that. And then there's those who go through the darkness and then they realize later on that how powerful you really are, right? You can't know the power of a candle when it's in the sunlight, but you can yeah. see how powerful it is when you put it in a dark room. That's so true. And that's such a beautiful analogy, Vic. Thank you. And in and, and, and that journey, I have a couple of questions because there's some things that I've been through that, you know, when you're starting to see auras and you're starting to see energy fields. And for me, I didn't really see I, the auras. I didn't see in a sense with colors. I just see like a, the, the, like the, I don't want to call it like a cloudy fuzziness over their shoulders and around the head. And, but it was more intuitive feeling like I feel more of it. So I can feel where someone's energy is. I can tell if they're having a good day or a bad day. I can tell if there's something pressing on them. Um, I kind of shunned that away at 12 years old because uh, I thought I was crazy because I'm trying to share this with my, my family. Uh, and they'd be like, uh, I'm, I'd be like, are you doing okay? Is everything all right? I noticed, you know, I'm, I'm feeling something. No, I'm good. Everything's great. And I'd be like, man, after a while of hearing that, I, was, I said, maybe I'm just the, the crazy one. And, um, you know, was it scary seeing starting to see the energy fields and the auras and things like that? Was it something that you're kind of like clearing your eyes, making sure you're seeing things correctly? Or um, how, how was that experience for you? Well, I think as a child that it felt really natural. And I think because I was a bit wild and left to do my own thing, it just never occurred to me to tell anyone about it. So it probably saved me from the experience that you're talking about, right? And that it was just this private experience. And then in my 20s, when it started to really activate, it started, first of all, with empathy, kind of like what you were saying, like someone walked past me. I remember just being at the swimming pool and someone walked past and I was like, oh, God, I just know how everything that that person feels. And so the empathy kind of grew first. And so when the the clear vision, the visions came on, I wasn't quite so scared of the auras, I was more scared of the ghosts, right? The, the, the things that kind of would move in and out of my, my vision in that way. I think what you're talking about is something that, that empaths and sensitives feel a lot. And that is this ability to know and feel into and read a situation, a person, an atmosphere in a room and have the capacity to speak it. But be almost ahead of the of the process of the person they're speaking to and and then get rejected and it's painful very especially when you know you know deep in like you know it's like that conviction inside that you're just like I know this and then it's like nope uh -uh, not there and then you're like okay I need to adapt to this world right we eventually conform to the world or conform to our culture or our family or family dynamics and so forth and it just becomes one of those things and like, okay, this just is what it is. You know, we talk about, I, I, I'm a firm believer, as I said, the darkness, we can use to change that darkness to challenges and obstacles. Um, there's been a lot that's been going on in the world, right? And some people have been facing different challenges, and especially with COVID coming around and how it affected the globe and so forth. Um, how can someone utilize these challenges, but take them? and tap into their spiritual power, be able to tap into that. What is that? What's that process look like? Oh, that is such a good and deep question. And I think it's individual. 
for for each person. But what I would say is as you're meeting that challenge, you're having to dig into something inside yourself to help you do it. And often we don't investigate that very well. We're too busy dealing with the thing, right, the loss of the job, the financial stress, the illness, the parent that died in, in COVID, all of the systems that may be oppressing in that way and we're dealing with them. But there's something inside of you that's, that's resourcing you and that might be a, an attitude or an inner approach it could be a, a skill that you have and I always encourage people to in a way ask how am I handling this what is helping me to handle this and to go into whatever that is and to feel into it not just to kind of think about it intellectually but to let yourself dream in and feel into that inner attitude and really anchor and find where it is in your body. And then eventually I really encourage people to become that attitude, that energy, that, that consciousness more and more fully because that's going to help you to embody it. And, and in really feeling into it, allowing yourself to own that quality or that ability or that inner attitude. So that's, that's part one. But then if you really sit into the deepest thing, there's usually if we are meeting something deep or we have met something powerful and intense or dark, it has taken us to places inside ourselves where we have no option but to reach into the core of our being. Or we have no option but to reach into that place we call spirit or our soul or our heart or our, our essence or our infinite awareness that I think that this is what makes people that have been through really difficult times very powerful is that they have been forced. There has been no external option left and they have to go to that deep place and um, turn that stone into a diamond in a way and in that in those deep places inside ourselves, we, we meet the part of us that's more eternal, that's more untouchable, that's more unreachable to the external world, but available to us. And we also can meet that place that is beyond ourselves, right, that's connected. And I'm sure you have that experience, Vic, that, that we go to that place inside ourselves that connects us to something beyond ourselves, an essence and energy and intuition and knowing, nature, love, or divine, God, whatever you want to call it. And that, that place in us as, as difficulty pushes us into that place and kind of fortifies it. And my sense is that people that have gone there and claimed that, are much more indomitable by life, right? Because you know, I, I have this resource that can't be taken away from you. You can take my money, you can take my house, you can take my friends, you can take my relationship, you can take my health, but you can't take this from me. And that is spiritual power, right? To be either in touch with something deep in ourselves or beyond ourselves. And that's what I think inspires us. And, you know, this comes through in your podcast, right? You have been here and you have that energy that shines through and so uplifting and positive. And I think, you know, I think of Rosa Parks, I think of Martin Luther King, I think of Nelson Mandela, these Eve Ensler, these people that have had to really 
go to those places and from that they bring back a gift and I think we all do we bring back many gifts from that place I love how you you explain that so elegantly you know very very elegantly there would you say that sometimes it's the traumas of our life whatever they may be is actually there in a way to unleash this gift if we take that opportunity to go there Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I see that all the time. And I think no matter how big your challenge, you also have a set of gifts and skills, even if they're unlived, even if they're outside of your awareness, they are there waiting for you. They're poised for you. Because I think we live in a culture that doesn't actually reflect back to us enough our uniqueness and our beauty and our magic, right? And so we often can have a very narrow view of of who, what our true potential is. And when I'm working with someone, even someone with the deepest trauma, while they're telling their story or they're saying, I want to reach this goal or I want to process this terrible, terrifying thing that happened to me, I'm always looking for the set of gifts and capacities and qualities, the ways of this person, because not only am I listening to what happened, but but I'm listening to all the resources that they have to meet that. But also I'm looking for all the resources they don't know that they have yet because that's the most beautiful thing I think about doing transformational work is helping people to fall in love with themselves and to help them to take those blinkers off and see, wow, I am actually really creative or quirky or zany or fast or my intuitions are actually amazing or I'm actually a really skilled decision maker and I never saw that about myself and the more we can activate this um, smorgasbord of gifts the more capacity that you have to meet that trauma and then in the meeting of it all of that power comes out all of those gifts and then as you gain your ground and confidence then you can not only come back to life with a healed heart or mind or body but and healing doesn't have to be perfect by the way good enough is pretty nice good enough is you know I'm happy with that but then you get to bring all of that all of that divert deeper diversity of who you are into the world I love that yeah it's amazing when we we can tap into that power I think that brings the more essence of your light to the world, which is really needed. Because I I firmly believe, based on everything that I've read and studied and a lot of research I've done, um, where we look at, you know, what's our purpose, right? What's our why? Why are we here? And I, I believe there's two reasons. And there could be gazillions of more, but I think we can really sum up the two. And that is, one, you came here for an experience, for your soul's purpose to gain some sort of an experience. And, and that could be more than one, but it's just at least one. But then I think the other thing is you came here to help serve. You get you came to leave something here. And, and sometimes we get caught up like, you know, oh, this is my legacy and this is what I'm going to do. And it could be that. But sometimes I also believe it's just your energy. You're, you're, you know, I, I've always, you know, spirit in the spiritual world, I always say just you being alive at this time is the blessing enough. And I was always like a mm, little too small for me. I don't I, I need more than that. And that was my ego kicking in back in the day. Now I look back and I'm like, no, that there's so much truth behind that. And I don't know if I, I mean, maybe there's other reasons why we come here uh, or we're here in this experience, but I think those are like the two that I can 
at this time in my life that I've done, I'm like, that's the only two that can sum up because we're here to gain an experience and we're also here to give because we want to help humanity evolve and help us to that next level of where we're going to or whatever that next level is, um, but to help us in that process. Any thoughts on that? I think that that is such a perfect summary and I entirely agree that we are here to have an experience and we're here to serve and you know, the, the challenges that we have in our life give us, if we work with those challenges, right, and we see them as opportunities, they actually train us to become the kind of service we're going to emanate. And I am, I am completely with you on our presence being the biggest gift, right? It's our emanation, our presence, our way, the way we just simply be in a situation is often the medicine, you know, when I was studying a lot of the great avatars like Jesus and Buddha and Krishna, you mentioned Martin Luther King or Gandhi, Mother Teresa, you know, they, I don't know if you ever read the work of Dr. David Hawkins, you know, Power Versus Force. Yeah, I love his work. I yes. love his work, yes. And so it was one of the things where, you know, you talk about this vibration, I call it vibrational frequency or just the frequency of the individual. Uh, I know he doesn't say that it's conscious, you know, conscious level of where they are. Um, but it's one of the things where you, we talk about just being the presence, right? And when people are, are, are Ama, the lady who just gives hugs and transforms a person's life right there, I, I believe that's the gift that we kind of talk about. And the more you shared about how if we can just tap into that power, then all of a sudden you start radiating more of that vibration, which we all have it in us to be that way. I mean, the potential is there, um, you know, and it's one of the things where just being in that place of your energy can really help transform it. And, and for the listeners, this is kind of like if you've ever been around somebody who you know is very funny, just when you're in their presence, you laugh at almost everything they say just because of the energy of where they are. I love that. Now, the question is then I have for you is how do we create, you know, we talked a little bit before about the magic. I was sharing my story a little bit. Um, and how is it that, you know, then how do we get to that point to where we can express ourselves? Because I think in the world, I don't know how it is in Australia, but I know humanity has similar characteristics. But I know in America, you know, some things we're seeing more conformity. We're part of more bigger groups and there's nothing wrong with groups, although I'm not a fan of them. I am part of them, but I'm not of them. So I'm, I'm still individual. So in that way, um, because I never want myself to be muted. I always want to be me and who I am. And that's just, uh, my mother will tell you that it, that's just how I've always been, which... I don't know where that comes from, but long story short, how does an individual, for those who are listening, how do they get to share that uniqueness of them, that magic that you're kind of stating before? Oh, great question. I think, first of all, I would say the first step is to accept that you're a diversity, that, that, that you're not just one thing. And we live in a culture that says, be yourself with this idea that being yourself is is one thing. And so we, we try for a while, especially when we're young, right, you probably had this too, what is my thing? Like, who am I? And that's an important phase. And unfortunately, there isn't as much room in our culture as I would like for, for basic, for first of all, just the basic diversity of us as humans, right? There's a lot of taboos and limitations. And but also that applies to our inner diversity. And I think, first of all, is simply to allow yourself that you might have a much greater diversity of elements and aspects and parts of who you are than what you know. And often because we've been shamed 
and we haven't been witnessed very well when our quirks and our individuality rise up as teenagers, in particular children, teenagers, young adults, we often feel that those parts of us or elements, there's something wrong with them or they're shameful. And so we, we stash them away and what Jung would call, we put them in the unconscious. And those parts of us are, are often the source of maybe our greatest joy or playfulness or humour or creativity or insightfulness, and yet we've kind of buried them because they, we've been hurt and rejected around them. And if you open up the door and you simply allow, wow, maybe I'm more diverse than what I am, and then let yourself notice the thing that you normally would push down when it rises up and catch, see if you can catch it, right? That little flirt of humour, that little flirt of um, creativity, whatever that is flirting with you, see if you can slow down and catch it and feel it and, and, and in process of what we call it, unfold it, like follow it a bit more, like where is it in my body? What is it connecting me to? Is there a, an idea or an image that comes with it? So you're just trying to track it in a way deeper into its nature. And if you do that often enough, you'll build a bigger sort of profile and picture and sense, but also a felt connection to that part of you. And then you can just start hanging out with it and, and really allowing yourself to own it and embody it and play with it. And, and over time, it just naturally becomes more of an automatic part of part of yourself. And sometimes those parts, they need to be liberated from the way they've been shamed as well. And, you know, I've worked with people that are transgender, intersex, or um, homosexual, and there's a lot of shame on all of that in beautiful diversity that they have. And when that diversity is unleashed, and I could cry talking about it, it's so touching, right? To, to, to bring out their, like, joyous, flamboyant self and let that shine again and that that part of that person might be their most liberated, fun party girl or party boy and that needs to come back into their life. And that energy, say, for example, it's this, like, creative, joyous, have a, let's have a great party flamboyance, that because it's so authentic and joyous, Anyone who gets in that field is going to have a good time and it's going to automatically free up their own flamboyance or quirks or the things that they want to happen in their life. So I actually think that in a way in my life, that's my mission, is to, to bring out your flamboyance or your wildness or your um, the things that maybe were called crazy or wrong and let, let you be way more whole. I think that's the the purpose of all things right how can we become more whole again we we, we yeah. came in whole then we got broken and then it's our journey to for those who take it on to come back to being whole and would you say wholesome or being coming coming back to that is a sense of freedom right because that energy you were talking about i felt freedom it just came right across me i'm like freedom 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 right because we put these prison bars on ourselves maybe the mind or our heart or both and it's one of those things where we let life kind of shun us away. And, you know, and it's nothing different than what our nervous system does. You know, our nervous system, when things are way too overwhelming, overstimulating, 
it creates protective mechanisms to adapt to that to try to keep in the state of survival. And it's fascinating because I always love neural principles because neural principles dictate our human experience. But at the same token, they're also spiritual in a lot of ways, um, in, in, in many forms. Like the creator of the game of this called, game called Life, I like to say, it, it, it knew there, it, it kept the clues very similar across the board and uh, how it created things. But um, would you say too, though, like sometimes when you have those biggest like pressure things that we we try to keep in and tidy down and you know those feelings. Are those some of the things that are our, our gateway to that freedom, our gateway to that magic of letting us be who we really are? And, and we're just kind of resisting it down to not express, you know, not deal with it or go through that process to get to that point? Yeah, totally. And I'm sure you see this in your work that, that there's something that wants to emerge in your life in some way, shape or form. It might be some element of yourself that wants to be expressed, like your flamboyance or your creativity or there's a calling to change careers or jobs or really renovate your life and you're really you can be against an external change or you can be fiercely against allowing this thing that wants to birth through you to come through whether it's a project or creativity or whether it's a part of you part or parts of yourself that want to come forward and for some of us that resistance process is kind of part of the journey do you know what I mean like it's like, we, we, it's like we're never going to do the thing unless we resist it so deeply, fully that we're on our knees, right? And then we, <laughs> then we say, okay, all right, you win. I'm going to, you get my yes now because I have nothing left for my no. And, and that, there's a forging in that as well. There's this way that when you follow that yes, then that, in general, what I see is that's very magical what happens. There's, there's, uh, there's a, an alignment and a congruence that happens in people's lives because they're following the most ridiculous yes that they refuse so deeply. And it makes an, an extraordinary beauty out of their life. It turns their life, in a way, into a work of art. And I think for those of us that have the the courage and the strength and the opportunity, because I want to say that too, right? We have different levels of privilege and therefore we have different levels of opportunity, but we, but we can make the most of what we have. And those of us that use that, that calling and, and whatever level of yes and we follow it through, there's a courage that gets birthed. And when you feel that rightness, that yes, at so many levels, you will not let that yes go, right? That yes that you resisted becomes the yes in every single cell and part of your being and it carries you forward. And I think that this is where we become inspiration for other people and our courage to be whatever that thing is, renovate our life or business, be flamboyant, um, wear clothes that are different to your gender, um, any radical change you want to make or small change or just a difference in style or bringing this part of yourself out. When we stand in the world as that thing, and I know there are so many amazing people doing this and people on your show that are doing this, that we make it possible, we open the doorway for other people to do it too and, and keep carrying this human humanity experiment forward and expanding it. I love that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's that that's very well eloquently explained. And it's true. It's like I think of the quote from Marianne Williamson and, and she talks about, you know, when we 
I'm going to butcher this because I don't have it memorized, but it's just the, the end part is what I remember is that when we face our fears and we go through that process, we give people the liberation to do the same. And it's exactly what you're kind of saying there. It's that, you know, I remember coming out of chiropractic school. I was like, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to do this. This is what we're going to do. We need to help people here. We got to do, and I was just all over the place. And then after a couple, about a year or two, I'm, I'm a little stubborn. So it takes me a little, a little bit before I you say, okay, fine. I'm hitting a wall here a little bit. Maybe I need to change my approach. Um, but what happened was I started to say, man, but I really want to help the world. I really want to be able to do something good for people. And, and I started to realize that in my meditations, my guides and my, who I work with and spirits and all that were like, um, take care of yourself. And I was like, man, eh, that's too easy. I'm doing that already. They're like, no, focus on you. You have things to work through. And they just walked me through this. But what I found was interesting is that to really change the world or change humanity and help level it up. And this, we talked again, going back to the presence, right? Of being just here. The more you work on yourself, I know you know this already, is the more that we can then help others to do the exact same thing. And I think that's how we really change the world. It's not going to be from the leaders, uh, the political leaders and, and those types of people. I really believe the message has always been us. And it's just like you, as we always hear, right? We have the power, but it's one of the things where if we do this work, we can transform people to transform this world. It's true. I think the work we do on ourselves is the biggest gift we give to others, both the way, the, both the person it makes us into, and also we liberate them, as the Buddhists say, from our pain, right? And we liberate them from our reactivity, and we liberate them from, you know, our ignorance. And so, so in, in that way, we're already a gift. And I think that working on yourself never ends. Like I'm never going to be one of those people. Like I don't care how much awakening comes through my body, how much I talk to beings of light, how much I heal. It's never over to my last breath. And even in that moment, I'll still be learning. And that keeps me humble. And, I, and I'm happy to be at that altar of learning for the rest of my life and to be not afraid of what I see inside myself. Yeah, I think there's, you know, when you, I think when, you know, Lao Tzu is someone who I, I love his work and I've, I quote him a lot. I quote a lot of him in my books that I write and, and, and just in life in general. But one of the biggest ones I love is, is, and I use it a lot, is that when you, to master others is, is, um, is strength, but to master yourself is true, think true power. Um, and I think when you, you do that, like you said, I'm always going to be working on myself. There's nothing I'm afraid. I'm going to keep doing that. I think you really tap in. That's another essence of your true power because now it's like, all right, I got my, my playing ground. I got my field here. All right. I'm going to be learning as things come universe. I'm with you. Let's uh, let's co-create. Let's may have some fun here. Um, and you have the human side of you too, though, to where it's like, I don't know about you. I know for me, I always go, uh, some people are like, oh, you get this. Like some of my clients are like, oh, you're, you're always level-headed. You're always great. You never seem reactive. You're always calm. You're very collective. And I'm like, oh no, I have a human side. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Um, and I'm like, but I, 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 I'm human and I have to be human. I'm like, it's part of the experience. Like if I'm going to be numb all the time and bal like balanced, then what experience do I really have? And so I think that that concept plays a huge role in, in many different ways. So I love that. Um, I was going to ask you a question. I'm going blank on it right now, but it'll come back to me. Totally fine. But it's the essence of that, you know, the magic of who we are. And when we, and I love, I, I quote, I love, I love this quote, work on yourself as the biggest gift to others. I, I really, I love how you said that and phrased it. Uh, I will definitely quote you on it when I use it. <laughs> <laughs> fine. 
Um, but it's so true because again, just talking about, you know, liberation and, and, and be able to be that freedom. Um, I really believe though, that it's, it's that essence that we, if we can take that more of that approach, uh, we can eliminate a lot of things in this world and really work on a, a lot of that, but constantly being a self-learner, constantly being a self-teacher, because um, I did a lot of research back in my early thirties. Um, I did some things that got me, I had a fearful of death. I don't know why it was coming up. It was very strong. Um, it was kind of consuming me. I would go to bed at night and I would die in a sense. I would go through the experience and I was like, I don't like that. Nope. That, how do I prevent this? But um as I went through the studies, I learned one thing and it taught me a lesson that exactly what you're talking about. And that is that when I studied the soul, the spiritual world, the afterlife, I wanted to understand as much as I can get my hands on and meditate through that process. And what I found was interesting is the spirit, the soul, our souls never stop learning, evolving and growing. It just never does. Um, when God, who, prime director, whoever you want to call it, all that is when they, when we were created, um, there was a little something instilled us that said, you will always be continually wanting to learn. You're, it's just part of the, the, the journey. And I found that fascinating. So I said, whatever is going above is also below. So if I'm, if that's how it is in the spirit world, then I need to change my mentality. Cause I used to think once you get to a level, that's it. You don't have nothing else to right. you get, you're good. And I said, no, nope. once I learned that, I was like, no, then that means no matter what, I always have to continue to work on myself no matter what, to no degree. I'll never, that's why I don't like being called an expert. I don't like being called a master because I'm like, no, I'm a student. And I'm, I'm a student just like I was from day one. So no matter how many days I've been studying this, I'm still a student regardless. And so I think that ties up a little bit what you were kind of talking about there. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally. And I'm really just touched by what you're saying. I agree with what you're sharing. And I think we, res we resonate a lot. So I'm really enjoying listening to you. Um, I, I kind of, what you're talking about, meeting death and that fear of death. And I think that's a big one that's up on the planet at the moment, fear of death, right? And it's it's in so many ways. And so I really resonate and and, and thank you for doing that, for lying in bed every night and, and thinking about death and <laughs> meditating on it in that very, very difficult way. And I think part of, for me too, was death was a really big teacher for me. And my, my brother, when I, you know, about seven years ago, he died in a very, very horrific way and, and it was devastating. And it made me go to all those really difficult places that you go when someone you love dies. And, and sadly, he took his life in a really horrific way and that involved fire. And I, you know, about six months in, I kind of, I kind of started to get a handle on the grief, but I couldn't get over the way he died. And um, it kind of haunted me and, and anyone who's lost someone in a tragic way. You kind of know how that that memory haunts you. That when you think about how it was and did it hurt and and how you know even that how, how is that even possible that that could happen? And I remember having this thirty minute session with this mentor. He's kind of a genius, and the only time I ever met him in this way. And I'd met him in in the um, trainings, and he he kind of. Tested me out. He could go, Oh, she's got some strength. She can do this. And he just said to me, I said, I'm haunted by it. And he said, I think you need to die like he died. And I was like, That's a big thing to say to someone, right? But I knew he was right. So I lay down on the floor, on the floor of my living room because I was on the phone to him. And 
I just imagine myself on fire and burning and dying and burning and dying and burning and dying. And, and at some point in time, he said to me, what's happening? And I said, it looks, it feels like all my personal history is burning, which is a great thing to burn. I didn't expect it. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then suddenly I kind of just plunged down and I can't really describe it. It was like being in an elevator that just drops. And I hit this place that was probably the place of my greatest fear and my greatest um, distress about his death. And in that place, I kind of found that I just surrendered into it and it was like where infinite pain meets infinite love and then becomes infinite compassion. And in that moment, it was like meeting, I, there was a deep, something broke in me, something finished around fear of death. And, and when I, and there was like a rebound back into the light. And as I was coming back, there was this energy of, that was traveling with me. And I was like, what is coming back with me? What is coming back from that place? And it was joy. And so I was really touched by your story because and I think it's relevant this way that we meet these things that scare us and seem unimaginably to meet. And often we need support. I couldn't have done that on my own. But that, that go with that thing of allowing us the freedom to then work on ourselves more freely. Like that's why I'm not scared of myself because I've been to that place. I'm like, what, what? WTF what's left right like I've been there if I've been to that place then you know I'm I'm up for anything no I I couldn't agree more I mean when I when I went through that process and then you know going through the journey it it just became more you know I I heard a quote and I'll never forget it it talked about how if you have a fear of death then you have a fear of living and I was like hmm that's interesting I gotta I gotta see what that means let me I gotta go through it but then once I did and I lost the fear of death I'm um, doing it wrong my wife and I were just taking a walk a couple of days ago with our dog and I call it it's t- we're talking about death for a second and I go you know I think the hardest thing is going to be when this time comes for me whenever that happens I was like it's gonna be letting go it's gonna be letting go of the physical body I think that's gonna be the hardest thing for me other than that I'll be fine because I already know how you have to let go I had that feeling it was very weird it, it's not weird it's actually very natural in a sense, but that's a whole nother conversation. But it was the liberation through that process to understand, you know, to go there. And I'm assuming you had the exact same thing. You came back, you had that joy, right? The real essence. I always say there's some traits to a soul that's just natural in us and all. And that's joy, that's bliss, and that's peace. You know, those are the, and, and you could say love too. You can throw love in there, but but I think that's who we are. We're made from love. So it's the those emotional experiences. And it's funny, I used to always I felt that way. And then through my work, working through mediums and talking to spirit and, and connecting and wanting to just understand their world so much more of where we all go to. I mean, it's, and, and they're like, you don't go anywhere. I go, well, you know what I mean? They're like, we know what you mean, but you don't go anywhere. You're, you're still you. It's just, it's just hard for a human to understand. I'm like, yes, I get it. Um, but it, it's finding that going to that place of that joy, that bliss, that that uh that peace and and they say this is you know when you ever talk to someone i know you probably do because you talk to you you connect with spirits and stuff is you know their side when it happens it's this massive amount of love this massive amount of peace and and they're Mm -hmm. just there's this bliss of you know i always say they say when when someone dies there's there's two sets of groups that are crying 
One is a set of pain, cry, tears of, of joy, and the other one's a tear of pain. Uh, and it's the humans that are in the tears of pain while the spirit world's in the tears of joy. But um, I digress, but this has been, I mean, I feel like I talked to you for days here. So, <laughs> but real quick. <laughs> Just, I know we're talking, we've talked a lot, a lot here. Um, and I know you're doing, I love, love, love chatting, you know, sharing all that you've been here. Um, how can people connect with you? How can people find out what you're up to, help get services through you, all that good stuff? Where can they find you? So you can find me on my website, www.myree.com.au. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Myrie Morsi or Myrie Morsi Official on Facebook. It's my Facebook page. And I also do um, monthly masterclasses where I share about wisdom on different different topics. And my next one coming up on May 1st is around flourishing on your growing edges and being able to love your edges, right, and building this skill set, this toolkit that you can have. I'm on an edge of change. These are my resources. How do I need to meet it? And then, and so it's kind of resourcing in that way to identify your toolkit. I also have um, a mastermind coming up in mid-May where I teach a lot around really diving into your magic and your meta skills and your style of being in service. It's all about service. This mastermind is really about helping you to serve in the way that's most you and also helping you to be trauma-informed and sacred and safe in the way you do that. I always respond to all my comments on social media. That's me. If you comment there, I reply. That's I like that. I love connection. I love relationship. I also support people going through all sorts of wild kundalini and awakening experiences as well. So that is that is my offering to the world and it's always changing. I love that for all the listeners. I'll have that all in the show notes to find connect and so much more. Uh, Myrie, this was awesome. I enjoyed chatting with you kindred spirits. I must say um, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate the work you're doing. You're really helping liberate others in what you do by shining that wonderful light of yours to others. So keep shining bright and continue doing what you're doing. Thank you so much, Vic. Thanks for having me on your wonderful show. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Thank you.